some hair loss and skin issues. I can't tell you how many calls I get from individuals who hair, who their hair is falling out. And it, a lot of it has to do with the epidemic we've been through or the pandemic we've been through of just uh, the effects of a certain virus on our system. Um, but the skin issues, inflammation, they've taken over people's quests for health and they're searching for answers to their anti-aging aesthetic conditions and trying to find products that are really going to move the needle for them. And while it's no secret that healthy, radiant skin and hair starts with taking care of your inside and what you're putting in your body, there are products out there that can still be medicinal from the outside in as well. And when my next guest sought a solution to her sun-damaged skin, she didn't need to look beyond her backyard. That's Shally Carroll, founder of my favorite hair care line, Buffalo Gal Grass-Fed Beauty, has joined me to discuss all things tallow, okay? And why it's your skin's multivitamin. Did you know your skin has a multivitamin? Why it's so essential for the health of our hair and skin and where an essential nutrient, vitamin A, comes into play, which is so important for our thyroid as well. So some, some things we're going to talk about, hair loss, skin health. Shally's company is a true farm-to-face or even farm-to-follicle company, <laughs> which I love and use. And also, we're going to talk on regenerative farming because Shally is a true expert on it and why it matters to our health. So Shally, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm super stoked to talk with you about specifically hair thinning because that's what I hear a lot of in people today. Um, but I want to start with tallow because that's your main source of yes. where you're doing all these great products from and, and just the aspect of buffalo versus beef, you know, maybe we can start there and why you raise buffalo to make these beautiful products and get this really clean tallow and what that looks like. So maybe let's just start there. What's that, what's that all about? Uh, well, let me first go back a little bit further um, back. I mean, for years and years, I've always had chronically dry skin. Um, I do have a lot of sun damage. I don't regret the activities that I did that caused the sun damage, but I am paying the price for it now, like getting getting overly you know, exposed to the sun and some of my outdoor adventures in my past. But um, that kind of led me to you know, looking for a really special ingredient um, that would help satiate dry skin. Mm -hmm. And you know, for years and years and years, I had a terrible relationship with um, lip balms. You know, there was, you know, there's chapstick and Carmex and and even Burt's Bees, which is so much supposed to be so much more natural, um, turned out to be this really disappointing product. It didn't do any better than any of the others, even though it was less toxic as far as chemicals go. Um, and I just never could find that really special ingredient that would really help me with skincare. And I've been always into natural skincare and just never could really find um, that, that, that great lotion or balm or, you know, face cream or anything like that, or even a hair product. So um, about, uh, let's see, in 2008, um, I reconnected with my husband, we're a Facebook story, and I was living in Colorado at the time where I had the really dry skin, <laughs> um, and he was here in Georgia, and he's always been a farmer, and um, we dated briefly during college, but we reconnected on Facebook, and then we ended up getting married, and I moved back here in 2009, and so he was raising water buffalo at the time, and so that's how I got introduced to water buffalo. Um, and a couple of years later, um, I we went to a, um, well, we it took us until 2011 to 
get the regulations changed in our state. And that's another whole story that would blow your mind, but we won't tell that today. Um, it takes probably a good hour to, to tell this story, but we, it, we had a lot, we faced a lot of difficulties um, being able to get our meat processed under inspection because it wasn't in the commodity box of agriculture. Um, and that's another whole story. So we were able to finally get the regulations changed so that we could process our meat under inspection. So at that time we were just selling, you know, halves and quarters and, you know, whole animals and you're, 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 you would get back your packages and it would say not for sale. You know, um, it's, it's, um, this is not something that you could sell retail. People couldn't drive down our driveway and, and buy steaks, or we mm -hmm. couldn't sell to restaurants or to a farmer's market when your meat's not inspected under, you know, it's not under inspection. So that's why we were trying to get under inspection because we had a lot of people that wanted to buy our meat because they were hearing about grass fed and that's how David raised his water buffalo. Um, they really do fit well. They're a species of livestock that work really, really well for regenerative agriculture for that reason. They're, they're very low maintenance. They um, have natural parasite resistance. They're really good mothers. There's all the things that you really want in, in, a, in a livestock species water buffalo exhibit. And the meat is really delicious and um, it's been rated as one of the top five meats in the world to eat as far wow. as nutritional content goes. It has a lot more nutrition in it than beef, especially if those buffalo have access to a wide variety of forages. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But um, anyway, so... Um, so we finally, when we processed our first buffalo under inspection, um, a restaurant in Atlanta wanted to use um, our meat for um, for a big feast. And so they did a five course meal with buffalo in every course. Mm. And the dessert was going to be a pastry that had um, um, tallow in the pastry. So um, this chef asked us to keep the suet and then he rendered it down into tallow and um, it made this dessert with it. And it was a fabulous feast. But then after it was over with, he says, hey, do you want your do you want some of this tallow that I have left over? And I said, sure. And he sent that and the suet that he hadn't you know, processed yet back to me. And um, as I, I was um, trying to play with it myself and learn, like, you know, what would my grandmother have done with this? She probably would have made some candles or did some cooking or something else with this. And as I was experimenting with it, I spilled a bunch of it on my counter and I'm cleaning it up and it's a big mess and it gets on my hands. And I can't even begin to tell you how good my hands felt. You know how, like, if you go to a spa and they dip your hands in paraffin, don't do that, yeah. by the way, but they dip <laughs> your hands in paraffin and your hands come out and it feels really, really, really soft. That's how my hands felt times 10, you know, wow. just really, really soft. And I said, wow, that would be great for my lips. And mm -hmm. so I started playing around with maybe trying to use tallow to make um, a lip balm. And um, so I mixed it with like a couple of different carrier oils. And I already had a huge collection of essential oils from my um, holistic practice. You know, I used to do, um, I, I used to be a holistic practitioner. I did a lot of energy work with people and worked with essential oils a lot. So I used essential oils and some carrier oils and some tallow and started making lip balms. And I was like, oh my goodness, for once, I finally have lips that are not too dry <laughs> oh. and, they, and it stays all day. It's like, I'm, I'm not having these issues. And so, um, 
and then also, you know, just you're making a, you know, I was making a change over to 100% grass fed in my diet and, you know, really getting out any kind of seed oils out of my diet and, and re redoing my whole kitchen and just bringing in really healthy fats, um, which of course would help dry skin too, just immediately. Um, but then I started trying to play around with making a, a face cream for myself, but it wouldn't be really a cream. It would have to be a balm. Um, and, uh, and so I, um, um, and then we had the, the Weston A. Price um, comp Foundation Conference came to Atlanta in 2013. And um, at that point, I started selling my products. Um, I started selling my products there. And that was the first time I sold any to the public and people loved them. I, I sold out of everything. And then our farm was the star farm for the farm tour that they do um, at the conference. And so when the tour came through, they did lunch in our at our farm and um, they said, bring everything you have. And I brought everything that I had made and that everything that I had made was bought. So every wow. skin cream, you know, body butter, everything, every lip balm that I had was sold and gone, you know? And so that's kind of how I got my business started. And so there was a blogger, she says, you need to get a website going immediately. And, <laughs> and so then another um, blogger, um, I had sent her some things and she got back in touch with me and gave me some suggestions because she was a skincare expert. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, and so she was telling me, she says, you need to, don't call this a, a facial moisturizer, call it a, a tallow balm because that's what it is. And she says, there's other, there's, there's another tallow balm out there and, you know, uh, maybe check it out. And so that's when I found out about vintage tradition and they were, uh, they, there was somebody selling some of their stuff there at the Weston A. Price Foundation. And I was going to go check it out and I never got over there, but so she told me about vintage tradition. So he's the guy who started tallow balm and, mm -hmm. um, you know, that whole, that whole trend. And so I'm like, this is a thing. So, um, so I kind of jumped on board and, you know, started making more products and, um, it's just, you know, become a, a, a slowly growing, um, positive business ever since. So, yeah. Now, how does the regenerative farming fit into that? Because mm -hmm. it sounds like in order to make a really good quality tallow, you need a really good quality farm and practices yes. and stuff like that. So tell me yeah. about that. So I think that so many people don't really understand the importance of that. Um, a lot of people think um, grass fed means, you know, that you just don't feed any grain. <laughs> and then there, there's your animal who's 100% grass fed. You just didn't feed them any grain. But mm -hmm. did you did you provide them with a really good seasonal forage chain where they have a variety of all kinds of, you know, forbs and legumes and um, different kinds of grasses that are high in nutrition? Um, does your livestock have access to browse, which means, you know, like, um, you know, bushes and vines and things like that that have leaves with different nutritional values in it, you know, um, roots that grow deep into the earth and draw up minerals. You know, there's all kinds of, you know, there's a, an art that goes with, um, being a regenerative farmer, it's sometimes you can just buy a property and it's just got everything. But a lot of times you're needing to refurbish the soil or just, you know, re replenish the soil and get the nutrients back in there, get the microorganisms back in there. And the way to do that is through animal activity. So there's a whole art involved in, um, in being a regenerative producer, and it does always involve animals in some way or another, um, because that animal activity is, is, is the integral part of being a regenerative farm. Um, but the nutrition of the soil, the health of the soil, um, the grasses, the forages that you're developing, you may need to seed some things, but generally, you know, you'll, you'll find that, that all kinds of plants just naturally want to come up and want to be there. Um, and just how you manage your forages and, you know, when to mow, when not to mow, what things you want to promote, what things that you need to cut out of there um, in order to provide like a really nourishing 
pasture for your for your livestock and then rotating your species so some people run you know chickens and sheep and you know behind their cattle and you know that's really really a good thing to do too and if you have if you have sheep and goats um that are prone to um parasites especially like in the south where we live there's the parasites are a big deal and we we raise alpacas and llamas and camels too mm-hmm. um you know running your water buffalo or a large ruminant animal like a cow behind these animals will will basically clean up or vacuum the pasture of parasites so then when that land has had a chance to rest and you bring the animals back through there again in another rotation then you don't have to worry about those parasites so there's a lot of a lot of different pieces and factors involved in that but it's it's not just okay i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna rip open any bags of feed and give it to my animals it's a it's it's definitely much more nuanced than that so in turn really nutritious pastures give your animals plenty of vitamins and minerals and all the things that they need and um and then that in turn gets translated into the fat and so when it comes to the fat and what tallow is um you know when people when we talk about nose to tail um really tallow i mean or the suet of an animal is just is is not that much it's maybe one or two percent of the total animal's weight so you might just get you know three, two, three, five, ten pounds, depending on the season or when the animal was harvested, how much finish they had on them. So what finish means is um, when the animal has finished its frame growing and now you're adding fat to it. So the, the, that's the fat that you add to the to the animal once their frame has finished growing. And so we harvest our water buffalo at about two years old, sometimes a little younger, sometimes a little bit older, just kind of depends. Um, and so cattle, you know, will be different com- according to species. Um, but a lot of the really large beef cattle out there, um, they've got to feed them grain to get the, any kind of weight on them before they're three years old. You know, they've, you know, they're, that's just how they're, they're bred for that. They're made for that. But, you know, there, there's, but the, the grass farmers, the, the guys that are doing, you know, grass feeding, grass fed beef, they're going to raise, you know, Angus and some of the old school breeds, you know, they'll have, you know, Belted Galloways and Dexters and, you know, there's other breeds that are really grass genetics. They are meant to eat grass and fatten on grass, you know, so there's a difference there. A lot of people may not understand that too. So um, there's another, a whole lot we could talk about with that. Um, but when it comes down to your, you know, to the suet, um, it's a it's a slab of fat that's in the um, that surrounds the kidney area in in um, in a large ruminant or any ruminant animal. And so, um, what I'm trying to say here is that when you when the animal is well finished, they will have a good quantity, you know, a nice piece of a nice slab of the suet. And it'll be chock full of vitamins and and really healthy fatty acids. And so to begin with, it's a very pure kind of fat. So it doesn't need a lot of processing. It doesn't need all this crazy stuff that people are doing to their to their tallow when they render it and then they go back and purify it and they do all this crazy stuff with it right now. Um, I'm not saying that it's not a a good method for some people to use, especially homesteaders and do-it-yourselfers. But when, you know, when people are, uh, you're starting with something that needs to be purified over and over and over again, it might not be a really good source. So I'm not sure I'd have to see it myself and see it myself, what people have that's kind of leading to that. But the best thing to do is is start with really, you know, that that nice big slab of suet that um, just really needs to be trimmed. You just trim off any pieces of muscle or kidney or any kind of foreign, um, I wouldn't say foreign, it's not foreign, but um, 
any you know pieces that would kind of um, have a bad smell when you cook it, that kind of thing. So you just trim it really, really good and then rough chop it or even rough grinding it, coarse grinding it is like the best way. And then just adding gentle heat to it. And then it will just, it you know, like I'm talking about, you know, 200, 205 is what I try to stay around and just letting that fat melt away from the proteins that hold it in place. And those proteins become cracklins. Um, so those proteins that are holding it all in place, it's like these little webs and little pockets that hold the hold the fat in there. It just melts away from that. That's really all you're trying to do is just separate it from those proteins. Mm -hmm. And then it just needs to be very well strained. Um, and that gets out those protein pieces or the little tiny particles that might be left over. And, um, and then that's it. You really don't need to do anything else to it, but let it cool at room temperature out in the open air. So if there's any moisture that might be left in there, it has a chance to evaporate out. Um, and um, what was I going to say about that also? Um, yeah, so if it's if it's something that looks kind of cloudy or it maybe has a lot of uh, somehow it's got some contaminants in it, you know, there again, that could could have been cut out ahead of time. Um, but not everyone knows how to do that or what to look for. And so then you render that into this really, you know, you would maybe run it through like a coffee filter. A coffee filter will do it just fine. And you'll see that it kind of mm -hmm. has a lot of leftover stuff in there if it needed to go through a coffee filter. So, so I'm just kind of um, mentioning that, that that's kind of how you start with this, you know, how you get to a product, you know, from the grass <laughs> to the glass, that's just really clean and pure and really, really nutritious. Yeah. And so you were mentioning before we started mm -hmm. podcasting about there's a difference in color versus beef tallow and the vitamin A content. I know my listeners will love to learn about that because vitamin A plays so much into the thyroid and a lot of my listeners yes. are into learning about the thyroid and how vitamin yes. A affects our body. Vitamin A is so important. And so I encourage everyone who's listening to eat some heart. <laughs> yes, it's so heart, good too. Buffalo heart, bison heart. And if you um, deer, if you know anyone that's processing yeah. deer, a lot of hunters out there don't even use their organs or even half of their meat. That's a fantastic source of vitamin A. Mm -hmm. um, lamb heart is probably like, that's my husband's very favorite cut on the planet. It's just like eating a piece of tenderloin. Sure. Um, yeah. And it's, it's kind of like eating a steak, um, but it's going to have like just a little bit different texture. I think maybe a, a touch of sponginess, but nothing, nothing off-putting. And so just learning how to eat heart, heart is so, so full of, of vitamin A, it's really, really good for hair and scalp and skin and, you know, your eyes. So mm. yes. So um, <clears throat> what I was talking about before is that um, in butter, you know, in dairy products, you'll see sometimes yellow butter, like really, really yellow butter. Um, that means that the that the cows have been eating a lot of fresh grasses that's full of beta carotene. So that's always good to look for. And that can be the case with beef fat as well. If you know that this animal has been grass fed and the fat is yellow, that's good. It means it's got lots of beta carotene in it. Mm -hmm. um, however, the caveat there is that, that um, the beta carotene in that form of vitamin A has to go into your body, go all the way to the liver and be transformed into retinol. So that's a big, long extra step. And so some of that may get lost along the way, either gets washed off or doesn't make it. Um, so that's just one thing to keep in mind. Um, what we found with water buffalo tallow and the tests confirmed it is that they, they never have a yellow fat or a yellow um, butter fat. And that's because that water buffalo, because of the 
their nature. They're, they're, they've been domesticated for 6,000 years. They're probably one of the first domestic species of livestock. And they mm -hmm. are cousins to the Cape buffalo um, that you see in Africa. But they originated from the Mesopotamians um, 6,000 years ago. And they've not really been tampered with genetically. So they have got a really good thing going. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, they've had their feet in the mud for 6,000 years. They, they don't need any kind of vaccines or parasite control. We don't need to do any deworming with them. There's none of that kind of stuff that we need to do. Um, they, they're really low maintenance. That way they need very little input from us. And so we love that because that's, to us, part of what regenerative agriculture is about, low inputs, you know, having something that's very, um, you know, self-sufficient and easy to manage. Um, so, um, but what they were finding in research in Iraq is that um, um, that water buffalo, um, because they have a very slow rumen and they are very heavy, heavy salivators, um, they really break down all of that matter that they're eating in their in their you know this the stuff that we could never digest if we ate like if we ate these grasses out of the field we would never digest that. But they're very good at taking this stuff that's very hard to digest. And breaking it down and getting the nutrients out and so um they they do this with the vitamin a so every time they're eating anything with beta carotene in it their gut breaks it down and transforms it into its most bioavailable form for us and that is retinol so mm -hmm. um and so retinol when you're putting it on your skin we know that's a good thing right yeah. and this is a naturally occurring retinol it's nothing to be afraid of it's not a lab chemical that's in too high of a concentration that it's now dangerous you yeah. know this is something that's a natural balance this is something that is is a really good um in my opinion is a significant amount of retinol that you can absorb on your skin or when you're eating the meat or you know um you know um eating the fat you're getting this retinol that's your body doesn't have to break down through the liver it's ready to use so it just goes right to use for all the things that you might need for hair skin and nails and your eyes I love that because it's when it's coming in topically too. Now you've got this great tallow coming in with a high retinol and it's bypassing digestion. It's going just right in to be utilized by the body, like you mm -hmm. said. So that's mm -hmm. really important that, yes, what we bring in the body is really important, but you can use things topically that will actually enhance your health too. And that's what really great skincare is and hair care is about. Now, talking about hair care, like you created a bar, a shampoo bar and a conditioning bar that was specific to hair growth or hair restoration, if you will. And so what prompted that? Why did you see the need for that? Okay. So um, when I really got going good with making my tallow balms and lip balms and all of that, um, I was doing everything out of this uh, kind of like a pantry area in my house behind my kitchen. And uh, now when I walk in there, I'm like, I have no idea how I ran that much of a volume of business out of this tiny little space. Oh. Um, and so, um, but anyway, so when I was in that little space, um, uh, my husband and I, like I said, we, we have alpacas and llamas. And in mm -hmm. the springtime, um, for 30 something years, my husband has also um, been a professional shearer. So he travels to farms all over the Southeast shearing alpacas and llamas for people. And mm -hmm. I sometimes go on the tour with him. <laughs> so, um, and I, I have the past few years, but he's retiring um, this year because of an eye injury that he got last year. So, um, but when he on, on our shearing tour one year, um, one of our, our clients, she says, well, Shelly, you know, how is this stuff going with your tallow products? And I told her, and she says, 
why don't you send me some tallow and I'll make you some soap? She's a soap maker by trade. Oh, and so that's what she does for a living. That's a huge business making soap. And I said, okay, send her some tallow. And um, she made these beautiful soaps for me and they sold like crazy. And I was like, wow, there must be something really to this, you know, because you, you always hear on commercials or you used to anyway, don't use soap for your face. Don't use soap for anything. You know, Um, they want you to use the detergents, (laughs) you know, and um, you know, even a bar of ivory, you know, may have some tallow in it or, you know, some, some tallow soap in it, but it's mostly a bunch of detergents and other harsh Mm -hmm. surfactants, you know? And so, um, but I was really surprised that people, you know, she says people do love handcrafted soap and they would love a tallow soap. So she made, started making soap for me and that went really well. And then I had a couple of customers say, Hey, can she make a, a shampoo bar? So she made a shampoo bar and that went really well too. I sold a ton of them, but people didn't really give me much feedback on that. And so um, when it came time for us to move into a warehouse space and move all of our manufacturing into the warehouse space, then it made only sense that we made our soap here in-house. And so um, so I learned how to, to do that here. And so I decided, why don't I just get a little honed in on more of what people might really like for a mm-hmm. shampoo bar? Mm-hmm. And I did not realize at the time that I was opening up a huge can of worms <laughs> because people really started tuning in to I need something natural for my hair. I don't want to use all of these toxic chemicals yeah, that are in the commercial. Yeah. yeah. And I'm having all these problems with this and the fragrances and this and that and the other. And I was like, okay, you know, so I started kind of honing in on it. And then I had a lot of people really anxious looking for something that would help them, you know, solve their hair issues, you know, and so, you know, but hair is such a different game than skincare. Um, even though it seems really similar, it's very different at the same time. So, mm-hmm. um, so I had to kind of go down this whole path of having people say this didn't work, or my hair turned out, you know, feeling like straw, or this happened, or this happened, and and to really kind of find out and troubleshoot, you know, because I felt like I was half the people that were using my shampoo bars absolutely loved them and relied on them. And then mm-hmm. the other half over here, it did not work for them or they had some kind of problem with it. In which case I said, just use it as a good body soap. But I sure. didn't really want to leave those people hanging. Mm-hmm. So that's why I started trying to do more research and find out like, how could I serve those folks also? Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me down the road of making surfactant bars. So first, let me explain with a tallow shampoo bar, um, it's basically a soap. So it really is technically a soap or a, a hair soap, you know, would be probably the most accurate way to describe it because it is it is made with a soap, even though it's made with tallow and some other really good ingredients in there. Um, it is a soap, it's gonna have a pH of about 9.5. That's really too high for hair. So mm-hmm. when you're using soap on your skin, skin likes to be at about 5.5 pH. Right. And when you use a soap, you temporarily disrupt your your natural, you know, biome of your skin to clean it, mm-hmm. but then it restores within 15 minutes, you know, plus sure. you get nice and clean and you might have some other things get added to your skin, like some glycerin and some animal fats and some vitamins and some other things like that. Um, but it does really get your skin clean, which I think is important to get ourselves clean, um, but um, not overly stripping, you know, clean without right. stripping and stripping away all the natural oils and that kind of thing. So so let me just kind of say that. So with with the shampoo, the tallow shampoo bars are technically a soap. And so with that, the best thing to do is find a way to quickly bring that pH back down 
because when you have a high pH like that, it opens up the cuticles and you're cleaning. Mm -hmm. It's very, very um, clarifying. So it's going to deep clean and get all kinds of garbage out of your scalp and out of your hair follicles, right? Um, but you want to flatten those cuticles back down so that you don't lose a lot of the oils, right? You want to kind of you know flatten it back down and get it back to a low pH pretty quickly. So that that's where a vinegar rinse came back in, came into play. And so I'm, I'm, I I tell people it's easy to make one at home but I offer one for sale and I sell a ton of it. I can't believe how many people <laughs> really want to buy those, um, but they're really nice. I, I do a lavender hydrosol and then I make a hair tea with apple cider vinegar that's nice. got some beautiful herbs like nettles and horsetail and lemon verbena um, and some neem that goes into this hair tea that I make with apple cider vinegar. And so it's, it's apple cider vinegar tea and then it's got the um, lavender essential, I mean, um, um, hydrosol, and mm -hmm. then also use aloe juice in there. And so when you spray that on your hair, it brings that pH right back down. And some people that just suffices as a conditioner also. Mm -hmm. So I also wanted to have some conditioner bars. And so I, at first I started making them with just pure fats you know, with like shea butter and tallow and some cocoa butter and things like that. And people said, that leaves a big goopy mess in my hair. No, 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 no. And I'm like, okay. So I've got to go back to the drawing board on this. It, it, I meant for people just to rub a little bit in their hands and use it like a hair oil that it, people were just rubbing it right on there and making a big goopy mess. And so I understand that was not so user-friendly. And so um, I started learning how to use uh, make like cationic conditioner bars um, that are made with BTMN, B BTMS, which is comes from the colza plant. And, um, you know, it's basically plant-based, but it does come from a lab, but you know, it was, it's not toxic. It doesn't cause any kind of problem. You can use it in a high percentage in your formulation. And, and at that point I was adding a little bit of tallow in there, some other things. And, um, but I was finding it was not quite what I was, you know, trying to create. So I, it took me a long time to kind of, you know, come to a place where I really liked that formulation. And so in the meantime, um, if I'm going to start dabbling in those kind of ingredients, then let me see what else I can do with shampoo to, to take care of the other half of people that don't get along with the tallow shampoo. So I um, learned how to make surfactant bars and people don't realize that there's a really great class of ingredients out there that's non-toxic, very gentle, plant-based, um, you know, if that's important to them. Um, mm -hmm. Just because something comes from a lab or has like a really kind of strange sounding name or a chemical sounding name doesn't mean it's bad. So um, water is a chemical, you know, right? Right. Um, so you just kind of think about, you know, just doing your homework and finding out these are bad, these are good, you know, and knowing what to use. But most of the shampoos that we have out on the market today even if they put in beautiful herbs and organic things um, are made with surfactants. So surfactants are a lower pH. So that's hair friendly, skin friendly, and, um, and your hair will get along with them a lot better. Um, and so, so many people in the public have been, you know, saying we don't want the sulfates and the SLS, you know, the sodium lauryl sulfate and, you know, some of these really harsh surfactants that strip our hair that are toxic for us um that you know that the strip away the oils and then you've got to put in the silicones to smooth your hair back out so it perform performs well you know there's i mean hair i mean you know hair the hair world is crazy with 
the amazing technology that it has, but it's not necessarily the best thing for us, right? You right. Know? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's kind of like, how can we find some things that are non-toxic that are not going to, you know, strip our skin or our hair um, and also perform well. So that was what, what I was kind of working with. And when I first started working with surfactant bars, um, I was putting a little tallow in there because that's something that can add that oil and that moisture back to our hair. But everyone that was my product tester um, didn't get back to me on that. And so that was one thing that I realized, okay, they're not getting back to me because they didn't like it. So I want to find out. So I started calling them and saying, okay, tell me what was it in the, well, and every single one of them said it weighed their hair down, even at 1%. So mm -hmm. I realized let's just leave oils out altogether. And this is, I'm a tallow based skincare line, but this is one place where maybe I could just leave out the tallow here. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, so instead what I opted to do was find some other ingredients that help people with hair growth. And that's where MSM came in mm -hmm. and the MAP. So there's research out there being done. So MSM is a, is a type of organic sulfur. It's found in rainwater and a lot of vegetables. Like if you notice, if you ever go like my hair right now, I've been out in the rain, it's really soft right now. So when you're out in the rain, your hair feels really soft when you come in um, or you, like you're petting your dog after they've been out in the rain, you know, they're so soft. Um, that's, that's the sulfur that's MSM. Mm -hmm. So it's an, it's, you know, something that helps our joints, it helps our skin, it helps so many things, but it really does help with hair growth. But what they found in research is that it needed some vitamin C to go with it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so what they found was the form that really worked well with MSM was magnesium ascorbyl phosphate. Mm -hmm. And it's a type of vitamin C that when you mix it, when you, when you blend it with MSM and the, pri uh, the, the proper proportions and make a serum out of it, or even a spray, and you put it on your hair, on your scalp for 30 days, your hair will start regrowing. Mm -hmm. And so I put that to the test. I made a serum. I'm going to come out with one soon because I realized, yeah. you're not, you know, I put that in the shampoo. That formulation is in the shampoo, the MSM yeah. shampoo, but you're not going to wash your hair every day. So right. you're not getting necessarily that serum type of dosing that you might need for hair growth, but it's going to help support it anyway. Um, so I'm going to come out with that serum pretty soon. Um, but everyone who's tried it said, yes, my hair started growing back. <laughs> so, so that's great. Um, so I, I want to try to, you know, get that out there pretty soon. Um, but with my MSM shampoo, it's going to be some gentle surfactants. And I put in some silk protein and it's got that proportion of MSM and magnesium ascorbyl phosphate that mm -hmm. helps promote hair growth. So another thing that goes along with that. Um, when our scalp is like not receiving the proper moisturization, it's not able to retain moisture, then it's kind of like a, a barren field. You know, you see the barren field and then the wind comes in and you get a dust bowl. You get the dust blowing away and your crop sure. dies. That's your hair. You know, that's kind mm -hmm. of like what happens to your hair. And so one of the components that I decided to put into my condition, my the main component that I decided to put into my conditioner then I thought, well, why not support and back up this, this shampoo bar um, with something that would support that? And that's hyaluronic acid. So, mm -hmm. so hyaluronic acid is something that we have naturally occurring in our body anyway, but as we get older, it becomes less, you know, so hyaluronic acid is a very popular ingredient in anti-aging skincare. Um, here's the thing. It's not a moisturizer. It does nothing mm -hmm. to moisturize anything. Um, it's a humectant, which means that it draws moisture out of the air to itself. And so if you live in a really dry climate, 
hyaluronic acid is not an ideal ingredient most of the time for skincare for that reason because it'll pull moisture out of your skin or your hair instead so you've, if you live in just an average climate you know a varied climate um, you're fine to go ahead and use hyaluronic acid and what that does um, I use both a high molecular weight which sits on the surface it doesn't absorb and then I use a low molecular weight which does absorb and some there, there's some different Dalton sizes in there so it gets at different levels inside the the skin and the scalp and what it's doing is the, the, the high molecular weight sits there as a protective layer that keeps the moisture in as this is like drawing in moisture here. So you get like a, a dual effect of kind of like, you know, holding, you know, holding in some water um, in an aquifer so that your plants can grow. You know, you're keeping that moisture in the ground. So like an irrigation kind of thing, mm -hmm. kind of an irrigation effect so that you're helping the hair to grow back. So you've got the MSM and the MAP, and then you've got the hyaluronic acid effect. So they work synergistically together to help promote hair growth. Plus, you're not putting all these chemicals and silicones and all these other things on there that make your hair fall out, you know, or don't give you nearly as much of a, a good quality, um, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't promote hair growth. It does not promote the hair health. It just has all of this stuff that masks those deeper lying issues and so like yeah I've got this great performing hair but it's not really healthy you know my scalp's not really healthy I'm poisoning myself you don't really want to you know in my opinion you don't really want to do that so you know a, 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 my customer demand for skin for hair care is what kind of led me on that path and it I'm telling you it was quite a journey to all the research I needed to do and all the groups I took part in and all the people I, you know, took classes, you know, from and, you know, um, you know, different things like that to just really learn how to, you know, put together a formulation that I thought would work good for my customers. And so far, so good. People are really enjoying them. So. Oh, my gosh, I am like, I'm, I could just listen to you talk all day because you have done such extensive research, which is why I hope everybody listening to this is like, wow, I want to buy from somebody that knows their products, <laughs> knows what my, my body needs. Like she's yeah. done all the homework, so I don't have to, which is how I found you. So okay. a couple things I wanted to unpack. I got to try that hair tea. Oh my gosh, I haven't tried that. But the fact that you mentioned horsetail, I mean, that has silica in it, which is good for your hair anyway. So like little yeah, details like that. Hold you on have one second and I'll show you the product. So about. Yeah. Okay. But how I found you, Shelly, is I had so many clients, like I said, that were coming to me after COVID with hair loss that I was like, I have yeah. to, you know, we're doing all the things we're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's for mm -hmm. the inside, but we have yes. to, I also want to offer them a product that can help them from the outside. So I Googled yeah. like MSM hyaluronic acid shampoo, mm -hmm. and I got some several different products, but yeah. like you mentioned, some of them had all these extra things in it that I didn't want to recommend for my clients. Yeah. And I was using like a, a really expensive product from Europe that was all yeah. toxic free and everything, but was not anything like what you're talking about. And, yeah. and I knew a lot of my clients wouldn't be able to jump into like this big expensive product. I hated paying the money I was paying for it. So I didn't expect them to. So I, all of a sudden I see Buffalo gal and I was like, wait a second, it's a bar and it's got MSM and here's the hyaluronic. And here it also has rosemary oil, which is almost as effective in studies as Rogaine um, mm -hmm. for hair growth. And I'm like, bingo, I'm going to try this myself first before I recommend it. As mm -hmm. soon as I got the bars from you, I was like, my hair is like lighter and fluffier and I can do more with it. And it's not, it doesn't feel like, Hey, like it used to feel like with all the, you know, yes. organic non-toxic yes. shampoos. And let me tell Plus, you, there was no waste. Yes, like, exactly. Like, 
I yeah. could like, here's the bar. Like I have a new one in the box here. As soon as this is gone, I don't have to throw anything away. There's no That's bottle right. waste That's or right. anything. And it smells good too. Cause oh, I love yes, the shrub you. smell. It smells like I'm a little hippie, which I love. <laughs> I love that smell. So yeah. I love that one too. Those two I had to show that really because I'm just, I was just astounded at your products because not only are they what I was looking for to recommend to my clients, but also they went above and beyond because they actually do something medicinally and they're providing something that's safe for the environment. Too. Yes. Yes. That's, and that's so important, especially when you're a farmer, you recognize that even more, you know, than ever when you're like, you know, you have a flood and you see all this garbage and trash that has floated down in your rivers that come up onto the land and, you know, you go clean that up and it's just like, man, we really do need to do a better job, much, much better job. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and with the thing with plastics is, you know, only about five to 9% of all plastics are even recycled anyway. It's just such a shame. And, and it's, it's, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to do that recycling as well. Mm -hmm. But um, here's the product. It's, it's, this is, but the, you would want to use this if you're using the tallow shampoo soap. Right. Um, it's, it's my um, ACV hair rinse, basically. Mm -hmm. and, so, um, and for people that really want to just go with something that's more of a basic ingredient, like the tallow soap, and, and that sounds like something you want to try out, um, that's, that goes really good with the, the ACV rinse. But if you're using the MSM shampoo, you don't need a rinse. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be fine without it because the pH is already at about 5.5. So you should be really good there. Um, but I was going to mention that one of the reasons people have trouble with the hair, some of the natural hair, like they go through a transition period where their hair might feel really oily or goopy or really like straw and they can't even yes. run a comb through it. It's just nasty. Um, so a lot of that has to do with their water. Um, about 80% of Americans have hard water and a municipal water is the worst because you've got yeah. just terrible stuff in municipal water. So an easy solution there is to um, install a, a shower. I mean, a, you know, install a water filter in your home, but it's not maybe the most cost-effective thing for anybody, for everybody, because it, it is an expensive thing to put in your home, but um, it's worth it because, you know, not only are you, you know, not absorbing those things into your skin, like birth control and hormones and terrible, you know, heavy metals and, you know, uh, imbalanced and minerals, mineral content and everything like that, you know, that water's kind of like a, it's like a dead water. It's like, yeah. you know, something that's really harsh, um, you know, when you're drinking it internally too, you want to, you know, you're trying to hydrate your cells, not deplete them. And, and municipal yeah. water is very depleting. You know, you can drink For water sure. all day long. You're not going to be hydrated, you know? So, sure. um, so that, that's one of the issues that people often have when they're switching over to a new hair product is that they may have, you know, that really oily goopy feeling or their hair feels dry and like straw, you know, that's going to be from the hard water. Mm -hmm. Um, so the ACV, ACV rinse helps with that a little bit. And in my shampoo bar, I do put a little bit of ACV in there too, to kind of help mitigate some of that. It's not to lower the pH. It's just to help mitigate some of the hard water. But if, if, if um, any of your listeners are, um, you know, switching over to natural hair care and they have any of this, a lot of times that will go away after a couple of weeks anyway, um, because what's happening also, you're shedding um, some of the silicones and some of the the goop and garbage that you've been accumulating in your scalp and hair follicles from um, from some of the commercial products. And that can also make your hair fall out because your, your body can only take so much it before it can't really deal with it anymore. So it just, you know, your hair is going to, you know, you know, and I think you're right, you know, coming out of the pandemic where I think that, um, you know, we went through so much with all of that, you know, and in terms of, you know, chemical changes in our body from just even the spike proteins around us, whether or not 
you know, you got the vaccine, different people had all kinds of different health issues um, that went along with all of that too. So that's a, that's a really good point. And I think that, you know, a lot of people had an opportunity to really look at themselves and their health during that time too. So it was a mixed blessing, mm -hmm. you know, so um, we went from, I mean, we, every single scrap of meat that we had um, in our warehouse was gone in like a matter of days when the pandemic came along and um, it was really hard for us to get back in and process. So we went through a lot of challenges. I think everyone was so challenged and really stressed during that time. And stress is a big factor too. So, yeah, absolutely. I want to go back and, and just tell you why I had researched MSM too, because obviously you've done your homework and you knew well enough how good it is for hair, but like you mentioned, there's studies on it. Numerous studies show that it stimulates hair follicles. It's anti-inflammatory. So if there's scalp inflammation, it's clogging the follicles. MSM is going to help with that. And there's some evidence on the effectiveness of hair growth and retention and the, how it strengthens the keratin bonds. And so I, that's why I had looked for it. And then the rosemary, like I mentioned, how it was just as effective as Rogaine. So I'd been looking for that. Yes. And then another another product that you have, which... I okay first of all you have no plastic bottles like who makes a hairspray in a glass bottle I'm just in love with this, this <laughs> salt hairspray um I was I also was looking for like a sea salt scrub because I knew the benefits of them you know making a DIY a DIY uh, yeah. sea salt scrub and then so when I'm looking at buffalo then I'm like dang it she has a sea salt hairspray and this is what I'd recommended for them to do on their scalp and yeah. now have a product where they can just spray it on like a hairspray so not only is it going to hold back their flyaways but people who suffer from hair loss and things like alopecia where you have like patchy hair loss yes. can benefit from sea salt combined with other things like the MSM because it stimulates the blood flow it ensures the hair roots absorb the all the essential nutrients that are in like the MSM yes. it's got antifungal properties it removes oil it's like there's oh, yeah. so many things like it absorbs the sebum on the scalp if it's too much it helps with blood flow and exfoliation so I mean like there are so many products like this that you have put together that are so well thought of. Like you didn't just go, Ooh, I want to market a hair loss product just to see yeah. if win that market. You actually yeah. put passion and purpose into each product. And that's why I recommend it to people. Like those are the products I'm looking for. And let me, and, and, if, and for your listeners, I want to tell you what that, how to make that serum at home, because um, I mean, you know, it's not like, oh, I've got the secret of the serum over here. <laughs> I'm going to make one for people that want, that don't want to make their own, but I, I would love to share that, how to make that serum. Oh yeah. Um, I don't, right at the moment, I um, can't tell you who the, the, the resource is on the, um, who did the research. I'll have to look it up and, you know, send it to you or something like that. If, if, if people want to know what that is, but um it's making a solution of uh, you want to put in 10% MSM and the MSM I recommend buying is Opta MSM and you yes. can find it on Amazon. It's very easy to find. It's called Opta MSM, right. O-P-T-I MSM. Mm -hmm. And there's a few different brands of it and it absorbs into, I mean, it uh, dissolves into water really fast. Mm -hmm. um, so you make a solution that is 10% MSM and 7.5 percent MAP 
So that's mm -hmm. magnesium ascorbyl phosphate. And you can also find that on, on Amazon or some other places. I, I think I only found one source for it on Amazon and it's kind of expensive, um, but it's, it's, it's very worth having because it'll last you a while. And, you know, you can just put it in a spray bottle and, um, and then just, you know, mix it, mix it up thoroughly and then just spray it right on your hair and uh, right on your scalp and do it every day. And, and for, and after 30 days, um, you should see some hair, you know, starting to sprout and coming, coming right back out. Um, so there again, you know, if you want to get fancy and creative, mix it in with some, um, you know, buy some while you're on Amazon, if you're, that's where you're shopping, you know, see who, who you can find, who might have some rosemary hydrosol and mm -hmm. just make, make it in your base of hydro of rosemary hydrosol. So you've got the benefit of that hydrosol along with the MSM and the MAP. And there's your serum right there that you can spray right on your, right on your scalp and start that process now, because I know how uncomfortable and unpleasant that is to, you know, lose your hair and not be able to feel like yourself. You know, it's kind of like our teeth and our hair, you know, yeah. our eyes are so, so important in terms of how we feel in our confidence, you know, Oh, I love that. Yeah. And that's so cool that you shared that recipe, but definitely I want to, I want to get some of that serum from you. I, that <laughs> yeah. is so exciting that you're creating that. Cause I think what I'm making will have, it'll be in a sea kelp base and it will have, um, I'm, I'm going to put some both rosemary and I think either spearmint or some, maybe some cedarwood make that shrub scent again. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then it's going to have a, you know, a couple of other little things that'll support it and stabilize it. Um, and with the, with the MAP and the MSM. So, um, so I hope to have that coming out like in the next couple of months. So, yeah, that's so cool. So yeah, definitely keep me posted on that. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to want to try that now. Here's something interesting. So just to touch on a few other products, as we wrap up here, I got your pit and scalp mask too, which you can make the scalp mask where you put it on your scalp. Now I haven't done that yet. I want to do that, but, um, I actually did my pits with it. And huh? it was funny because I was on a trip. I ran out, I had this little bottle of deodorant, like the little native deodorant. And I ran out, like it was empty. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to use my pit mask. And I, this was a very active, I was um, certifying a bunch more paddleboard instructors. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was sweating. We were active. We're on the water. We're off the water, you know, and I didn't have deodorant the rest of the trip. I used the pit mask, just like the instructions said. And for the rest of the trip, I didn't have any deodorant and I never smelled. It was almost oh, like, wow. yeah. it like reset my system yes. to where like I didn't have any sort of odor. And I was just like, this is great. So, so from the, the, from the, from your pores, I mean, you know, from your sweat glands, you know, like you can harbor a lot of bacteria and everything in your sweat glands, especially if they get clogged from deodorants and just life or whatever. Yeah. Um, so what it does is it draws out those impurities, you know, the, the bacteria that causes odor um, and neutralizes them, you know, with the bentonite and the apple cider vinegar and so forth. But it also just kind of, um, um, it, you know, it kind of tones the skin in that area too. And just, it just kind of like, it, it's like a little bit of a detox. Mm -hmm. So it's not this long drawn out thing. It's just like, poof, pulls it right out and you're good to go. Yeah. yeah. And so with hair too, especially if you're trying to get rid of, you know, chemicals and treatments and other things, you know, um, using it in the, in the scalp really helps too. So, you know, so I made it to be both for pits and scalps for that reason. Yeah. So that's yeah. great. I'm glad to hear that. Such unique and like products, like who would think of a pit and a scalp mask, but I love that. <laughs> So people really need to go check out all of the things you have. Like my husband loves the hair and beard wax. Oh, yay. <laughs> it's so easy for him to use. He gets all the response from his hair and he's, he's been looking for one. So I had ordered him that and he really loves it, but just really oh, great good. ingredients, handmade 
you know, nourishing ingredients that are coming topically inside and they're simple formulations. You don't have this laundry list of ingredients. They're yeah. free of toxins. They're easy to use. My goodness, the shampoo bar is like so lathering. Yes. A shampoo bar would lather that much, but it lathers a lot. And some people really love that lather, you know, like they, I do, (laughs) I do, (laughs) you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of shampoo bars out there. Um, you know, when when it comes to like, you know, handcrafting them that that are pressed and all this. And I mean, you have to be really careful about the ingredients. Okay. If I'm not going to put any sulfates in there, it's not going to lather as much if I don't put this in here. So you have to kind of like, just, you know, really work it until you get that, you know, those percentages just right that you get, okay, I've got lather, but I've got the active ingredients in there and I've got the things I wanted in there. So good right there, (laughs) you know, so it takes a little bit to do that, you know, for sure. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you like the lather. I think it lathers nicely too. Mm -hmm. And I had some bars before my previous formulations um, were a little bit lumpier and they lathered better. Um, but they were softer. So they would just dissolve and melt in your shower. Whereas these don't do that nearly as much. These are much, uh, you know, a much harder bar. And so they're, they're not going to just melt away, you know, in your shower, like my other ones would. So, so I think Mm -hmm. I found that finally got that right, you know, combination of ingredients. Yeah. You've really thought of everything. And that's why, like I said, I want to promote somebody who's passionate and purposeful with their products. And you've really done that. Now, as we Wrap up one more question um, about the products I wanted to ask was what advice would you give to people like as far as like really finding a good source like I'm sure there's a lot of people like you mentioned we were talking about tallow earlier uh, that they're you know they're getting good quality products that are made with good ingredients but how would you recommend them really doing their due diligence on finding a good source and really you know trusting that that product says it is what it is. Yeah, that's kind of um, a tricky one because there's so many people right now that are coming out there. I mean, you know, tallow, tallow skincare is all the rage right now. And there's a lot of people, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of new makers coming out there on the market. And so, um, you know, I think that the, what I would recommend doing is going with a brand that's been around for a while, or unless you know that person and exactly what they put in their products. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that it, it just takes doing a little bit of research because there's some really good products out there that are made by new people getting into the business. And there's some products out there that are, you know, maybe they're not listing everything on their label. They're not telling you about, you know, this is, this is a product that's actually an emulsion. So it's really, truly a cream, Mm -hmm. um, and it's got preservatives in there and emulsifier wax, emulsifying wax in there, but they're not telling you about those ingredients. Um, you know, but I know, but when I read the ingredients, I'm like, there is no way that that's going to be stable unless it was an emulsion, you know? So I think that there's, you know, there's, I see some things like that going on out there. So I would just recommend to people to just, you know, like you want to know your farmer, know your food, you know, just kind of get to know your skincare artisans too. (laughs) I guess it goes with everything, but just maybe going with a company that's a little more experienced and has been around, they've kind of seen some things, you know, that they know what they're doing. And Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of really good, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of good, really good skincare companies out there. So, you know. Well, that's great advice, but I will say, yeah, there's so much out there that it can be overwhelming. So when you find somebody that is like you that has done all the research and done all their homework and they're passionate and they're putting out a product where they've touched the animal, they they have a relationship with the animal. I mean, that is cool. 
you know, I they emailed you one time and you were like, I got to go out and take care of the Buffalo. So I'll, I'll come back later. And so <laughs> I was like, wow, she's, she's not just rendering this tallow from, you know, buying it in a big bucket. Like you said, like she's going out, she knows the animal, she knows what it's eating. She knows what it's doing. So I just really value that. Like it is farm to follicle or farm to face, like you were saying. So I love that. Um, one last question before we wrap up. Now I will have all of the show notes to how they can find Buffalo Gal Grass-Fed Beauty. Uh, that is the name of your company. And I've got a link to the website in the show notes, as well as a discount code for the listeners of this podcast. So thank you for that. But one final question I like to ask my guests is Audrey Hepburn has my favorite quote that she said is, um, I believe every day should have at least one exquisite moment in it. Aww. So Shelly, what is your exquisite moment today? Um. Oh my goodness. Uh <laughs> My exquisite moment for the day. Um, okay, I'm gonna have to say it's back with the buffaloes, even though I enjoyed spending time with you. <laughs> I was you'd say something. About I got an exquisite time with you, by the way. Oh, thank you. But, um, but I, I, I would say it was with the buffaloes this morning. My husband and I were, you know, we were, you know, we were, we were moving the calves, and um, we had to like put them through the chute. And this is their first time getting on a trailer. This is their first trailer ride. So I think that that was my exquisite moment was that they were just kind of like when they came off the trailer, they were like. <gasps> oh my God, you know, we're in this whole new world, you know, when they came off into their new pasture and there was a moment where they were just running around and then they were like, oh, everything's going to be okay. We're out here on this really great grass. We've got this nice big pond and there's other buffaloes over there. So we're not alone. Uh -huh. And I could just see them kind of coming back to this place of like, we're cool. <laughs> I love that. So I would say that would be my moment of, of, of exquisiteness today. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean is like people that don't know what regenerative farming is. It's like you're taking care of the land, but the land and the animals also taking care of you and giving back to you and 1000% the land. And it's just this nice, beautiful circle. Of it is, it is, it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing what you're doing and taking care Thank of you. the animals and taking care of the environment and all of that. Thank you. Thank you. Any, any other links or how people can find you if they want to connect with you? Um, let's see, I Buffalo Gal Grassfed Beauty um, is on Instagram and also Facebook. I'm um, I am a very busy farmer and um, business person, as you can tell. So I don't post as much um, as you know a lot of people would like. Um, so I, I post whenever I can. And so um, so if, if you want to follow me on those sites um, or on those pages, I would love that. So oh, that's yeah. great. That's well, awesome. I don't blame you a bit. I'd rather you be out there with the buffalo and me getting too. grounding and sunlight and fresh air than I be know. on the device. Oh, and people, people tell us all the time, they're like, oh my gosh, if you had this on video and you posted this, you would get a million likes. And I'm like, I know we have some really huge adventures but I am the action too. So I don't get to film anything. So. Right. Yeah. You're living life. I have to hire a staff to do that or hire yeah. someone to do it, which some people do. I mean, that's, that's a really good way to do it. But yeah, I think it's great to capture all these things on, on video. It's just a, uh, got to figure out a way to do it. So maybe I just need to get a GoPro camera or something. No, just keep living life and enjoying every moment. That's right. That's that's right. right. Well, thank you, Sally. This has been awesome welcome. to do this again. Okay. Thanks so much. <laughs> love how unique you are and that your needs and diet are as unique as your fingerprint. That's why not every diet in the world will work for you because you're special, okay? So as your nutritionist, I believe in your bioindividuality and it's my job to act as your nutrition detective and find the root of your issues and create a more optimized U2.0. 
So are you looking to ease some digestive distress or maybe dial in your sleep? What about lowering environmental stress that could be causing, you know, stuff like undue anxiety? What about food struggles and emotional connections to food? Or maybe you're simply suffering from diet confusion and not sure where to start to improve your health. That's where I come in. So let's set up a free 15-minute call to see if I'm right for you. That's right. All you're going to do is email me at getfitwithjodell at gmail.com. That's J-O-D-E-L-L-E. And let's just chat about you and see if we're a good match when it comes to getting you the results you've been waiting for. And no matter where you are, you could be in Asia, Brazil, Chicago, or somewhere in between, we can connect via Zoom or phone or any way you like to get you the results and your health once and for all. Let me be your guide and let me get you there. So you're dealing with late night sugar cravings, are you? Well, you're not alone. A lot of people are. And it's because of all the blue light stimulation after the sun goes down. Did you know that blue light can actually make you crave carbs after the sun goes down due to the stress from releasing cortisol? It's telling your brain this is noon, and yet we've already had a noon today. So release cortisol because we don't know why there's so much blue light now that the sun has gone down. So a really easy fix to help your body stave off those sugar cravings and feel more optimal is with blue light blocking glasses. Now I have the day blockers on to where when I'm on my computer during the day, I can block any excessive blue light that I don't need. The sun gives us the perfect amount of blue light, but sometimes our devices have excessive amounts and that can lead to chronic sleepless nights and it can lead to a little bit more cravings for sweets and carbohydrates than we're used to. Then after the sun goes down, I put on my amber or reddish orange colored blue light blocking glasses that tells my brain this is night. It's time to wind down, release melatonin, not have any cravings because we're getting close to bed. So just by getting your light right, you can actually get your cravings right. So I want you to go to Swanwick Sleep. The link is in the show notes and you're going to use my code FITFOR10, that's F-I-T-F-O-R, the number 10, and save 10% off your purchase of blue light blocking glasses either day or night whatever it is that you need but I highly recommend at least starting with the nighttime ones to end those sugar cravings or those little pesky like I need to snicky snack at night cravings they also have incredible anti-blue light bulbs for your your home lights as well as an anti-blue light night light if you have children or you yourself like to have night lights in the house this doesn't emit any blue light it's dimmable it can be brighter or dimmer um, and it's wonderful to help children prevent myopia because if children are exposed to blue light after the sun goes down at a very young age they can start to develop the risk for myopia or nearsightedness and there's published studies that show this so make sure that you check out the link in the show notes and use my code fit for 10 to save yourself 10% off of either the glasses or the bulbs or the blue the blue anti-blue light um nightlight or all of the above because in any world when we get our light right we're going to get our bodies right